0: Hello Texans and welcome to the podcast great to have you with us as we get ready for a big weekend with the Texans traveling to the Bay Area to play the San Francisco 49ers. I say the Bay Area because the stadium is in Santa Clara, not San Francisco. This is about an hour drive from downtown without traffic. And as many of you know, San Francisco without traffic is kind of like Texas without humidity. It doesn't happen. So it's far from the city, but it's a very nice facility. The Texans have been there in 2016, the preseason. Brock Osweiler's only year. Chip Kelly was coaching the 49ers. Colin Kaepernick was still there. It was a nice preseason game for the Texans. They won the game. They actually practiced with the 49ers that week. I won't forget that. I've also been there for a, a digital summit. For the National Football League, this was in the off season. We saw the stadium from inside and out. Really nice facility. Anyway, they got it. They needed it. I've been to Candlestick Park a couple of times. Candlestick Park, where the 49ers used to play, and the San Francisco Giants as well. Really cool place, although, I don't know, probably not to the liking of so many of you who want all the amenities, right? It was an old place. The Beatles actually played their last concert there in 1966. Don't ask how I know all this stuff. And, of course, the 49ers had so many great moments there, most notably the catch that was in the 1981 season NFC Championship game. One of the greatest plays in the history of the NFL. Maybe, I would say, the second greatest play in the history of the league. Now you're wondering what I think is first. I think it's the Immaculate Reception. That's the one you see more than any other, but I would say that's followed by the catch. Have they been replaced by anything since? I don't really think so. Look, you have a 30 to 40 year head start over anything that's happened in the last couple of decades. So that's a big advantage, but those are the two most played highlights in the history of the league. I would have to say, anyway, the 49ers this year, they are eight and seven clinging to their playoff lives, right? They are in currently, even if they lose, if certain things happen, they'll still be in a decent position with the Rams coming up in week 18. Can the Texans get it done and play spoiler? What's interesting to me is, The Texans beat the Chargers. If they beat the 49ers and the Titans, do they knock all three out? Look, they need help to knock all three out. But it would be cool. And it's just cool to see them playing much better lately, isn't it? Now, before we get to our guest, Andre Johnson has been announced as a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist. And this is very exciting because once he made the semifinal list, I thought, okay, that is pretty good to get to the semifinals in the Hall of Fame selection process. Good. First step cleared. But to get to the finalist list is big because you're one of the 15, and I look at this list, and you're probably with me. There is no slam-dunk first ballot cinch, right? There's none on this list. Everything is up for debate. That means it's all up to the general, John McClain, who will sit in a room, Zoom-style, of course, this year. Who will be at a Zoom call and and make the case for Andre Johnson, and it's a compelling one. It really is. I mean, look, I love Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt. These are great players. There's no doubt they're Hall of Fame-worthy players. You're going to tell me these guys are better than Andre Johnson? I don't think so. Now, I know it's not just about him up against those guys. It's all the candidates. It's all about the vote. It's all about the presentations, in my opinion, and how people feel after those presentations. So we'll see soon enough. It'll happen. Super Bowl week. We'll find out together if Andre Johnson is in the hall. Good luck, Dre. Plenty more to discuss on that as the weeks unfold and we get into the offseason. But the season is still going on, very much so. Two games left, and I'm here for them, folks. After seeing what the Texans did in the last couple of games and Davis Mills playing well, and the Texans 61% plus in third down opportunities in the last two weeks, that is huge. That's got to continue against the 49ers. You've got to play keep away from this team. Look, I know we said it last week as well. you got turnovers. I don't know if you're going to get those against this team, but you could. You could. They do well in rushing touchdowns. They do well in running the football with other people other than running backs. They do well with that. They do well in stopping people. They're number four in the league in total defense, and I don't think they're any lower than seventh or eighth against the pass. This is a good football team you're facing, folks. I know the record doesn't really show it, and maybe you can catch them off guard. Maybe you can make some things happen with Mills because, look, the arrow is going up. You know, does he take a step back? Does he take a step forward? We're here to see it. He's playing back in the Bay Area where he played his college ball at Stanford. I don't think that really means anything here, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. Let's see if they can run the football again, too, like they did last week with Rex Burkhead going for a buck forty-nine. Should be interesting. It's a late Sunday kickoff, 3.05 Central, and we'll be able to bring it to you on Sports Radio 610 of the Bull 100.3 FM. Now, in the summer... You know we do the games on the radio, we always do, but we also produce, the Houston Texans media crew, the preseason TV broadcasts, and we have Kevin Kugler at play-by-play, Play, Spencer Tillman on color, and Drew Doherty on the sideline. Every once in a while I like to catch up with Kevin, he's such an interesting guy, he's from Omaha, Nebraska, Howie Deneroff of Westwood One discovered him basically, doing College World Series stuff, and he hired him to do a few things for him, and eventually just caught on that this was a... Really unique person, so thoroughly prepared, great voice, great delivery, great guy, and easy to work with, and he gave him some shots. And now he's doing Fox NFL football, and he's also doing some Big Ten Network stuff still, I believe, and still does our preseason games. So Kevin Kugler is the man, and I caught up with him and started the conversation off with Davis Mills, how well he's been playing lately and what Kevin's take is on it.
1: I'm happy for Davis because I really liked him in the preseason. But at that point, you know, everything was just so fast. You're just getting into the NFL and you're looking around and seeing all these guys flying all over the place. It's clear that it's slowed down a little bit for him, which I'm excited for him. And I'm excited for the franchise because, look, you've got to figure out what's going on at quarterback. And Davis's play of late seems to have been able to say, all right, maybe there's something here we can work with in the years going forward. And at least it means there's no urgency to go out in the early stages of a draft and find another quarterback. I think he's played well enough to earn an opportunity to get that job again next year. And that's really encouraging for the Texans, but you know, I watch the Texans now and, There are a lot of different faces on this roster from when I saw them in the preseason. That's a different team right now with injuries and trades and everything else, for sure.
0: Well, speaking of a lot of new faces, doing preseason football probably helps you with what you're doing right now, (laughs) which is COVID football and working games for Fox because we see so many games where so many new players are available on a Sunday. And I don't know about you, but, you know, my roster on Sunday looks like a Jackson Pollock painting. You know, I'm scribbling in new names and things like that. How has that been
1: going for you? Well, my wife is a big puzzle person. She loves to do puzzles. I feel like I'm doing a puzzle every week, putting my spotting boards together because I'm taking one piece and putting another piece in here and there and everywhere else. It's been I, I tell people I put my boards together during the week, as all of us do, who do play by play. But this year, when I get to the city on Saturday night, I basically spend my Saturday evening redoing my boards after everybody's gone through all these roster changes. And that's not going to be any different the remainder of this season. This is just the world that we're living in right now with the cases sky high. Hopefully the NFL protocol changes will help that a little bit for the teams involved. But it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a piecemeal situation right now for all these teams. And for those of us broadcasting the games, we learn quickly about some guys who we didn't expect to see on the field.
0: Kevin Kugler with us on Texans Radio. So, Kevin, I know you did the Tampa Bay-Carolina game last week. So, tell me what you saw out of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They're not completely healthy, but they clinched. What do you think of their chances down the stretch and into the postseason?
1: Well, anytime you have Tom Brady, I feel pretty good about your chances. And until he's not out there, I will still think Tampa Bay is one of the favorites in the NFC. But you're right. They're a really banged-up team. No Fournette, no Mike Evans, Chris Godwin year. It's a team that is going through a lot of different changes right now, and they're trying to figure out their way forward. They lost Levante David, Shaq Barrett got uh, knocked out in that game. He's out for the remainder of the regular season. So those are a lot of big names on both sides of the ball for Tampa Bay, but you still have Tom Brady. And as long as you can cobble something together over the next couple of weeks, get those guys healthy, they should get a good chunk of them back for the postseason. Tampa's going to be a team that's going to give you a lot of problems because Brady is playing at an extremely high level. He's got the chance to lead the league, Mark, in both passing yards and touchdowns. It would only be the second time in his career he did it. The first time was 2007. We're talking almost 15 years later, and a man who's 44 years old has the chance to do it again. He's a remarkable, remarkable player.
0: Well, have you seen the Packers? Have you done any Packers games this year?
1: I have not had them other than the preseason. Oh, and I take that back. I did have them on radio one time earlier in the uh, earlier in the season. So I have had them in person once.
0: So who do you think is the best team in the NFC, really? I know Brady can bring that X factor like no one else can once they get there. But who do you like here coming into the postseason?
1: I, I really do lean Green Bay only because Aaron Rodgers is also playing, obviously, at a terrific level. And this felt like at the beginning of the year a team that was – going all in for one last run. I know there were a lot of comparisons made because the bulls documentary was somewhat recent in our minds, mm-hmm. but it is kind of like that where they're going for one last ride, one last dance during the season. And if you can secure home field advantage, and I know they haven't yet, but they're certainly in the catbird seat for that. If you can secure home field advantage and have to go through Lambeau field to make your way to the postseason, it's different than going through Lambeau field last year, because this year you'll have fans this year, the place will be packed. This year is different than last year. And I know that people will say, well, they didn't get there last year. Well, that's true. This is a different year. This is a different team. I still lean Green Bay when I look at the overall picture in the NFC. Tampa Bay is right there in the mix. but I And so is Dallas, by the way. But this Green Bay team, to me, is the favorite still.
0: Kevin, you just did that Carolina-Tampa Bay game, and it's year two for Matt Rule. We've seen the Jacksonville Jaguars a couple of times, once with Urban Meyer, once without. You know, I'm talking about college coaches trying to make that jump. And with Rule, look, it's year two. Maybe it's relatively early here. Urban Meyer didn't work out for a variety of reasons. As a guy who sees so much college football, why is it so tough to make the transition into the NFL?
1: I think one thing is coaches have a very difficult time adjusting to the different power structure of the NFL versus college football. When you're a college head coach, you have ultimate control. You can control a guy's playing time. You can bench him. Not a lot of questions come up. And if they do, you can easily brush them aside. Look at the urban Meyer situation. James Robinson, their running back before he got injured fumbles of football. They take him out of the game. He doesn't come back in. They ask after the game, What happened to James Robinson? Well, he kind of defers to his position coaches. Well, that's not gonna fly with NFL media. It's not gonna fly with NFL fans. Maybe you can pull that off in college, but there's just, and you certainly can't pull it off with NFL players. And that's the other thing. It's very difficult for college coaches. You have to be a special kind of college coach. You look at a Pete Carroll, who was an NFL coach, then went to college, had great success, then came back and is obviously until this year had tremendous success. With Seattle, those guys are the rare breed. It's very difficult for college coaches who have that, in my opinion, the ultimate control at the college level to come to the NFL and be able to exert that over a 33 year old nine year pro. They just don't listen the same way or have the same respect as they do in college when you're 18, 19 years old. And this guy controls how much playing time you can get.
0: You have Atlanta-Buffalo this week. So the Bills, obviously, super strong, feeling good about themselves after beating the Patriots in Foxborough. What about the Falcons versus
1: Buffalo? What do you make of this one? And what do you think of Buffalo as we get to the playoffs? I, I think Buffalo is finding their rhythm at exactly the right time. And they've got a quarterback who can hurt you in so many different ways in Josh Allen. Look, this is a talented team. You know Cole Beasley will be back from the COVID list. So you have Emmanuel Sanders, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, a trio of wide receivers that are very, very difficult. You have a quarterback who can hurt you. You have to defend 11 on 11 because his legs are as dangerous as his arm in a lot of ways. And you have a very talented tight end in Dawson Knox, who is one of the more underrated tight ends in a very good tight end league. This is an offensive team that is outstanding. But as good as they are offensively, they are underrated nationally defensively and that's where you're going to win this thing. You've got they're the number 1 total defense team in the league. I think you could go into a lot of bars across America and win a lot of bets based on who's the number 1 defensive team in the league. Well, right now it's the Buffalo Bills. Their two safeties are doing a tremendous job in the secondary with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, each of them have five picks. This is an outstanding defense with some names that maybe people don't think of across the board. I just named two of them, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, that are among the elite players in the National Football League. But as a team, it's the best defense right now. And so you com- you combine a really good offense with a good defense and confidence peaking at the right time. This Bills team is going to challenge in the AFC.
0: Kevin Coogler joining us on Texans Radio. Kevin, as a broadcaster, as a fan of football, your reaction to the passing of John Madden, what he meant mm. to you, what it signifies all around the league and beyond?
1: Well, I, I first off, my thoughts went to my former partner at the college level, Matt Millen, who was not only a great friend of Coach Madden, but was a fan of Coach Madden. they, of course, knew each other for so many years and were so tight and so close. That was the first person I texted when I heard the news last night because – I knew how much Matt would be hurting. This is, this one will really hurt him and so many other people who were impacted by coach Madden over the years. For me, uh, obviously my, our careers never passed his, his career had finished by the time I got into the broadcast realm. But I always, I cannot think of John Madden without thinking my grandfather. My grandfather was the most influential man in my life. He was the, 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 the father figure to me. And he was not a sports guy. He was a little accountant from a depression era. So he was not a guy who thought about sports as anything other than a leisure activity, but he knew how much I loved it. So he would watch football with me and he always loved John Madden. He thought he got a kick out of the John Madden comments, you know, like so many of us did. He was entertained by John Madden, which was the point. And so I can't ever think about John Madden without thinking about my grandfather. And so that always provides for me A certain warm feeling anytime I think of Coach Madden, and I don't know how many hours of my life I wasted spending time playing Madden video games over the years, but it's it's in the triple digits or even more. But uh, it's just there's so much nostalgia tied to the name John Madden and his works, and all of it is those warm feelings of nostalgia. So his passing impacts me from a standpoint of it's another piece of my life. That's now gone. I didn't know John Madden, but I felt like so much of my path was connected to what John Madden did, whether it be broadcasting or even just the playing of video games with friends. Mm-hmm. All of that was impacted by John Madden.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I It blows me away that he worked for all four networks. I mean, that is fascinating to me. And at one point, he earned more than any particular player in the NFL. That Fox deal paid him big bucks and you know he called the very first Texans game at Fawcett Stadium the old Hall of Fame stadium wow. the Hall of Fame game back in 02 you've done games there right for Westwood one I believe yep yep and you know they have only one bathroom in that press box Kevin <laughs> and at halftime of that game my Madden memory we all rushed down to the bathroom and they said guys we got to hold the bathroom for John Madden and I thought okay I'll wait
1: (laughs) exactly there aren't too many people you'd say that for but yes okay Mr. Madden please go ahead you go first
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's really cool stuff
1: Kevin who are some
0: of your influences in broadcasting I know you got started in Omaha and and we've talked about your rise before but who are some of the voices whether it be on tv radio maybe people you don't even know that well but who are some of the influences that really motivated you and
1: inspired you early well, you know what's funny is that I grew up in the early era of satellite television, and so one of the thing, one of the first things that we had from a satellite television was they had the they, they were the super stations. We had a super station package on the Dish Network at that time, the very first Dish Network that came out, and you could get the super stations from across the country in one package. So KTLA was on the super station. And so I could sit and I would watch, and I'm a Cubs fan, grew up a Chicago Cubs fan, loved Harry Carey, loved the entertainment aspect that he brought. But I would turn over and watch Vin Scully do games because Vin Scully to me was the absolute peak of the art form of broadcasting because he was a storyteller. And I always told people I would watch him broadcast a game with my team because I would learn about my team from an opposing team's broadcaster, which to me was the highest of compliments. If I can learn something about a team that I think I know as a fan from somebody else who's broadcasting for the other, quote, other team, that to me was the absolute pinnacle compliment for any broadcaster to be able to say that about somebody else. That was So for me, Vin Scully was, I, I wouldn't say I patterned myself after him because that would be an insult to Mr. Scully, but I certainly appreciate the art form of storytelling that he always provided, whether it be on TV Or radio. Um, I always enjoyed Brad Nestler growing up. I thought his voice was fantastic. He came from similar roots. Used to do Division II sports and climbed his way up. So I always appreciated that as I got older because I know that's a difficult path to take. But that's the path he took, coming from Mankato and going all the way up the ranks in the broadcast world. It's just it's it's obviously some voices like Vince Scully that are prominent, and Brad Nestler very prominent now. But at the time when I was growing up watching him call college games. He was not at the pinnacle of sports. He was not at the top of the broadcaster chain. But I always thought Brad Nestler was a fantastic voice and I always appreciated what he did. Um, you know, and then you grow up in the Midwest and you see certain guys that come through and you, you take little parts from things they do. If you're watching a Dave Armstrong call a big eight basketball game, at some point, you take something from that. Or if you're watching Ron Franklin later on do college football or big 12 sports, you take a little bit of something from that. There's just a lot of those names that when I think about all the people that I watched and appreciated over the years that pop in to my mind, Mike Patrick, who was here for so many years doing the college world series in Omaha, I always got the chance to see him in the press box as he got older and as I got into the press box and got into the broadcast room, just so many of those names and faces that I think of over the years.
0: Well, Kevin, since we have you on, we have to ask you about college basketball. All right. And okay. what is what is going on that you like right now? Teams you like trends you like. Talk about the sport on the hardwood in the college ranks that we love so much.
1: Well, so much of college basketball the last few weeks has been dotted like all sports with COVID. We've seen so many shutdowns and so many players that haven't been able to play and teams that have been canceling. And like the NFL, it all sort of came out of nowhere over the last month. We didn't have early cancellations in college basketball. We didn't have a lot of changes COVID-wise in the NFL. And since the calendar turned to December, obviously, we've seen very similar things in both sports. Um, There are a couple of teams to me that have stood out. Purdue is one of them. If you're a college basketball fan, you certainly are aware of the success Purdue has had over the years, but I think this might be Purdue's best team that they've had maybe in the last two decades. They're talented in the front court. They're talented in the back court. This is a team that's number three in the country right now. They're outstanding. It'll surprise no one that Duke is right there in the mix. Gonzaga will be in the mix at the end of the year. I just hope that for the sake of the sport, they can find... A WAY TO KEEP THESE GAMES GOING BECAUSE RIGHT NOW IT'S BEEN VERY DIFFICULT OVER THE LAST THREE WEEKS WE'VE SEEN CANCELLATION AFTER CANCELLATION TEAM AFTER TEAM AFTER TEAM GET RACKED BY COVID THE HOPE IS THAT THIS GETS SETTLED SOONER RATHER THAN LATER BECAUSE IT'S REALLY NEGATIVELY IMPACTED THE SPORT OVER THE LAST MONTH THIS IS A TIME WHERE PEOPLE once football ends in the college ranks, as we get close to the end of the NFL season, still two more weeks left, that's really when fans start to turn their attention to college basketball. There have been some outstanding games early. I just hope that the sport can get itself back on track as people start to tune into the sport for the first time. Because right now, if you tune in, there's about a 50-50 chance the game you'll want to watch isn't going to happen right now.
0: Even my son's JV team is uh, half off right now. Half half of the guys are at home, isolating. Kevin, well, with that said, we know so many bowls are being canceled. What about Michigan? What do you think here as they take the big stage?
1: Well, I think they are certainly – to me, they're a little bit of a surprise. I did think Ohio State was the most talented team out of the Big Ten this year. But Michigan has been able to consistently put it together with Aiden Hutchinson up front. They're terrific on the defensive side of the ball. And their offense has been a little more consistent than what we've seen in the Harbaugh era, especially over the last couple of years. I don't know that I love their matchup in the college football playoff, but I do think they've got a a puncher's chance. This is a talented team. I just don't know how they're going to be, if they're going to be able to score enough points. That's my concern. This is a potent potent team that they're playing and i while they've been good defensively i worry about their ability to slow georgia down enough Mm -hmm. to be able to keep up with them in this game i think georgia wins i think michigan gives it a battle man it's been a long layoff too kevin thanks so
0: much for joining us we appreciate it as always have a great call this weekend with atlanta and buffalo on
1: fox Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you having me on.
0: There's our buddy, Kevin Kugler, who does Texans preseason TV broadcasts. And we invite you once again to listen to the game on Sunday afternoon, 3.05, on Sports Radio 610 and the Bull 100.3 FM. And of course, you can catch it on CBS as well, if you like. But I prefer you listen to it and watch it or just listen to it or something like that. And follow us on all the Texans platforms on social media. Do it. So many great videos there. So much great stuff on Andre Johnson. Check it all out. Anyway, have a great day, everyone. Texans at Niners Sunday 305 go Texans